are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. Um, I'm Chaz, and uh, my pronouns are he, him, they, them, and you are? I'm Shira Greer. I use she, her pronouns. Where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from Fairfax, Virginia. Oh, nice. Is that where you're from? Yes. Okay, cool. I am um, a lot of things at U of R, but alum, uh, faculty, and uh, scholar in residence right now at the uh, Civic Engagement, the Bonner Center for Civic Engagement. And um, just to set the tone, we are in disaffiliation still at U of R, um, which I will let you talk more about. But this is not a conversation to um, promote in any way uh, the glamorous University of Richmond. Um, This is a different conversation to really just... um, center the importance of kind of archiving things. Um, And I wanted to make sure that I was using my platform and the time that I have at U of R um, to kind of capture this moment through the importance of archiving. So hearing directly from um, Black students that are very engaged on campus right now and really making sure that we just capture who y'all are um, in addition to the way that I think sometimes when you're very politically engaged on campus, that becomes like your only identity. And You know, some of the um, other conversations I've had with students um, during this segment of Black Matter podcast is really just about, like, who are you? You know, like, what's your favorite tea flavor? Um, What, you know, brings you joy? What are the things that you did on this campus that um, you think are contributing to uh, leaving a a legacy that's connected to a a genealogy that is, you know, Black um, life and everyday Black life at, at Richmond and beyond? And so, yeah, I just wanted to basically take a moment to just like learn from y'all, talk to y'all and just like make sure that we like save this moment and center like your voice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So with that said, um, I welcome you to the podcast and um, I want to just like take a moment to just like say thanks for all the work that you're doing. I know that, um, you know, sometimes you just want to be a student. Um, I've experienced that as well. Of like, I just want to, you know, be faculty and like do my research and focus on those things. But sometimes, as Black folks and POC folks um, and queer folks, we just like don't ever get that opportunity to just like be the one role that we like signed up to be. Um, so, with that said, like, just you know, open up the show a little bit about just like really just like whatever you want to say. But like, who are you and um, what are you experiencing right now in this moment as a U of R student and just as Sheer Greer? So um, I, well, I actually took the year off um, this year just because of COVID, like online classes, Zoom University. That was not my thing at all. Zoom University. Um, yeah. And so that was just like, I was like, I don't want to do that. And then I just did not feel comfortable coming onto campus at all. Um, I think just knowing that like the school is a business and like just especially seeing like where we were um you know back um over the summer like when those decisions are being made i was like i don't feel comfortable at all coming back onto campus mm-hmm. um in the middle of a pandemic when it's like they really did make this decision for money and you know to boost their image and say oh look at us we brought you know the majority of our students back to campus and it's like oh that's nice but like what if things went completely south and they didn't thank god um but yes yeah, so those were like why i ended up taking the year off and then just seeing like everything that's gone on like this past year and especially like um this current semester in the spring, like, I'm very glad um, that, you know, I've been doing my work with um, the Black Student Coalition um, and other things like that, like off campus and not like having classes on top of everything. But I will be a junior when I return in the fall um, and I am an American Studies major. 
I mean, I came in thinking that I wanted to do maybe international studies or political science. Um, didn't actually end up taking any international studies courses. Um, and I took like political science courses. I was like, these are fine, but our program is very in the box. And so I found myself being, being like pretty dissatisfied with that. And that was sort of how I came to being a part of the Africana Studies Committee. Yeah. Um, pushing for an Africana Studies program here. Because I was like, that is like really what I would want my education to be. Um, I had a chance to take a course in the Black Radical Tradition um, with Dr. Corey Walker in fall 2019. Um, and that really like opened my eyes to like how much there was, um, there is that we're missing on this campus, like in terms of our academics. And so that's sort of how I ended up being part of the Africana Studies Committee. And then sort of over the course of that, um, I picked up an American Studies major. So I was like, oh, a lot of my courses just happened to like cross list into this. And it ended up being like a fairly easy major to pick up. And so I've sort of, I haven't technically dropped political science yet, but I'm not planning on finishing it. So American Studies major just sort of because it was easy to fulfill with my interests, but like it's not really like American Studies as the school is a program I'm really interested in, it's just that um, that was sort of, I guess, the easiest path to a degree to graduate with. Yeah, yeah. Say a little bit more um, about that. I think um, the conversation about Africana Studies is a good place to start because, you know, it shows just like how student labor um, is typically like what gets this campus to move in the right direction. And so I just want to hear more about that process of how um, you as a student became involved with starting a whole new uh program is what they're calling it but you know hopefully eventually a department on campus so originally um like i said i took um a course called the black article tradition fall 2019 um and that was where i really met kayla corbin um who's um sort of the one who pulled the africana studies committee together and qual shaw as well was in that class um and he was also part of the africana studies committee um and so we'd all taken that class together and we were like wow like this is we were all like this is what we want our education to be we we're like there's so much we're missing we we're like this is sort of what we wanted out of our college experience and of course dr walker was a visiting professor and he ended up leaving at the end of the 2019-2020 school year um and so it was like very brief like sort of our exposure to that but like from that we were like okay like we want something different um and so the spring semester of 2020 um the semester after we all had a, taken that course together um i was talking to kayla and she was like, yeah, like me and Quell are really thinking that we want to make some sort of proposal um, for Africana Studies. Um, and then TJ Tan um, and Akia Fortson Brown, who I believe you spoke with um, as well. Um, she sort of pulled us all in together um, sort of at the beginning of that semester. And we ended up drafting this proposal for a department because we were like, this is what we want to see on our campus. You know, why don't we try and, you know, push for a program that like we actually want to be part of? Because I think sort of similarly, I mean, Kayla um, is a rhetoric uh, major yeah. and that was sort of similar with something that allowed her to sort of explore her interests while having sort of you know easier like degree requirements and then quell actually ended up um i want to say for a while he might have been a political science major but he ended up doing interdisciplinary studies um for and calling that um an africana studies degree so it was all sort of like we were sitting here at least the three of us um tj was is a leadership major i think um and then akia does business and akia was really set on that but we were all like there's something missing from our educational experiences here, um, you know, half of us are floundering around like in degrees. We're like not even sure like why we're doing them. <laughs> like it's not really necessarily something we're passionate about, but it's like, you know, we're sort of searching and like trying to craft our academic experience here to like the best of our abilities. But like, we know like with some sort of program or a department, like we originally pushed for, that was going to be something that would really um, be cohesive um, and allow us to hopefully, you know, pull together these different courses Um like here and there that get offered every so often that like we find really interesting and then also you know hopefully build in some new coursework um possibly get some new faculty members as well and really like have um i guess a hub on campus yeah. for um really critically engaging 
um, and taking seriously black scholarship, which I think just isn't done most of the time in like humanities and social science courses, especially like at the university, you know, um, sort of funny. Dr. Walker would always say like, sprinkle a little black on it. And that's sort of what our courses do. They'll throw in, you know, one little W.E.D.B. Du Bois, you know, souls of black folks excerpts. Um, or, you know, maybe, maybe a little Angela Davis reading or something yeah. like that. And it'll just be that one little blip um, in your course. And they're like, look at us. We're diverse. We've done a great job. Look at us. We're being so inclusive. And you being a, um, a junior right now, Talk to me about like where you're going. So like the experience of coming on to the campus and it being like there's just like sprinkles of black everywhere. And then that involvement that you've had of like that's um, not enough. And that's also just like not what uh, the environment is advertised to be like. So talk to me about like when that uh, tension point or when that moment of transition or evolution <laughs> came for you where you were like this place needs more black, you know, like it needs more um, organizing so that students, you know, don't feel that their identities are sprinkled onto, uh, courses. And then that's called like, you know, pat on the back We're we're diverse. Yeah. I mean, I think it had sort of been like from the beginning, like my first semester on campus was like, Oh, this is fine. You know, these courses are fine. (laughs) Like they were always just very like, it's like, okay, this is college, I guess. Like it's fine. You come from a PWI, like K through 12 experience. I did. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm in Northern Virginia, um, which is, well, there are parts that I'm more diverse. The part I'm in, um, pretty much predominantly white. I think my high school, um, well, middle and high school was seven through 12. Um, it was a public school, but it was only maybe, I want to say 6% black while I was there. Um, so somehow (laughs) UR has, you know, a higher percentage of black students um, than my high school. Um, which is funny just because of how I think overwhelmingly white UR feels. Um, so yeah, so coming from that, you know, I was, hoping you know in college would be somewhere where like i get to you know delve more deeply um into like black scholarship and things like that and you know have more critical classes um and courses that really like stimulate my knowledge and like expose me to new ideas and things like that and i wasn't really getting that i think in my first mm-hmm. um couple of semesters and so it was at the beginning of my sophomore year when i took that course of black radical tradition that was really what sort of um opened my eyes i think um into how how different like my college experience could be you know how different um academia could be um how different this experience could be and so i think like that's sort of how we came to the africana studies um student committee what did that experience um do for you in terms of being like a student like do you feel like you invested in labor that ultimately like helped your career goals and your professional and student goals or like you felt like you committed to bringing on the Africana studies department because it was just like a need that needed to be met. But like, how did that fit in with like Shira's goals? I think it's both, you know, I've been in the process of thinking of figuring out like what my career goals are. Um, Which is okay. Cause and like my goals. <laughs> right. And so it's like, especially like starting that, like as a sophomore as well, um, I guess it was the, my second semester sophomore year, but still very much like figuring that out. Um, right now I'm thinking I might want to go into like library or archival or museum work. Um, so nice. we sort of track, you know, developing, um, you know, academic programming that, you know, actually speaks like the needs we have and finding ways to do education, you know, obviously in the academy with Africana studies, also, you know, looking for other ways to do that as well. 
um, and really integrate that into our lives. Um, it's something that I think I've sort of figured out through the process, but I think like at the time it was just sort of something I was doing it because I was like, I would love for, you know, the students who come after me to feel like they have, um, more options and they have, you know, a department or a program that they can go to, um, and feel seen and feel like they're doing that critical work, um, and learning, you know, things that they feel like they made this out on earlier and learning information that's going to be relevant, um, you know, to their lives, um, which I think is just so often missing. So it was really, I think getting involved originally was a decision that I just made, um, because it was like a need that, um, that I felt that I could help fill possibly and, you know, making things better, um, for the students who come after me, which has sort of been, I think, um, a trend for me at UR just because I have not had the best experience. Um, and so really, I guess like somewhere around like the end of the, uh, um, of my freshman year, I was sort of like, okay, well, I think I'm going to like sort of direct my efforts on campus now, um, towards being, to making changes that will be, I guess, more effective for the people who are coming after me because, you know, by the time these changes get made, you know, they're probably not really going to benefit me, Mm -hmm. um, while I'm on campus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, hear you elaborate more on is how do you balance the work that you've done as a university rich student and i emphasize student because i think so often black students students of color don't get to just be like students like we come on these campuses that are supposed to see us value us appreciate us um we're investing in them to kind of you know be the stewards of our learning and then oftentimes we turn around or y'all have to turn around rather and help the the campus be better. And so with that, how do you balance that kind of um, political student organizing work with the Black Student Coalition and also like self-preservation? Like how do you make sure that the things that are happening, because you said earlier, they may not benefit you, the changes that you're working on, but how do you make sure that like you're still getting like the college experience that um, you really need and wanted? And do you think that you've gotten that or did taking that year off that you mentioned earlier is that to kind of recalibrate? Yeah. I mean, I think sort of, it sort of became apparent that I wasn't going to get the college experience that I wanted fairly, fairly early on. In your freshman year, you felt like you had to realize right. that. Yeah, definitely during my freshman year. Um, definitely. I think by the end of the first semester, honestly, I was like, mm, this university of Richmond, I was like, this is not going to be a place. I don't think where, you know, I sort of learn and grow and like have that time, like you said, to like be a student and just like have, you know, those typical college experiences and like enjoy my college career. It was fairly apparent early on. I think that like, that was just not going to be what my college experience is like. So for me, it has been, I think more fulfilling to like direct my efforts towards, you know, organizing or doing other things to sort of make this a better place. And that sort of like keeps me going, I think more than, you know, just maybe like checking out or something would. Um, cause it's like, I could be as checked out as I want to be, but I would still be, you know, on the university of Richmond's campus taking those courses. Like yeah. I was like, I can't really check out necessarily. So might as well, you know, instead like decide to put that effort in intentionally, um, and try and make this a better place. So like that honestly really does keep me going. Um, and I think just outside of the work, you know, finding time to just, you know, like breathe, relax, hang out with my friends. When I was in campus, I was in choir. Um, and now that I'm home, sort of trying to, you know, enjoy that, take that time. I used to be able to go to concerts, um, before yeah, the I pandemic. Miss, so that I miss was concerts too. Live music. That was the fun thing. What is your role with the Black Student Coalition right now? So I understand that you helped, um, definitely facilitate the Africana Studies, uh, program that's coming to campus. And what have other, what other roles have you taken on? And I do think that some of the organizing that you're doing, even if you may not see the benefits of it because you're going to graduate soon, definitely 
you know, being black in America, these are giving you skills that you probably will have to, you know, utilize in whatever institution that you decide to be a part of next. Definitely. Like, I know, I think sort of that's been like the theme, like, even if it's not, even if I'm not going to see like the fruits of my labor immediately, you know, I have faith that like these skills will serve me down the road. Um, and that they'll also, you know, create a foundation, um, for students who are going to come after me to be in a better spot, you know, organize and make this campus how they want it to be. And hopefully, you know, have an experience that is, um, you know, fulfilling and what they wanted out of their college career. Um, and you asked about my role in the Black Student Coalition. We don't really necessarily have like defined roles or anything just because it happened, um, fairly organically. Yeah. And fast. Yeah. Yeah. Fast. Too. it sort of just happened um you know the way it started was i think the day um that that original email came out from president crutcher saying um we're not changing the names you're like there's like a black student group chat um on yeah, campus i heard about i hear so much about this black student group chat y'all need to archive yeah. that chat for <laughs> sure that should be in the library of congress <laughs> but for real, i mean yeah, those are funny. important con- strategy strategy conversations to keep Right. And it was honestly just, um, we were all just going off in that chat that day. Like, what the heck is this? This is a terrible decision. Like, why would they do this? None of us want to see these names left up. Like, I think, you know, the vast majority of campus, you know, that was sort of our um, initial feeling. Like, the vast majority of campus probably doesn't want these names up, especially, like, seeing everything that's gone on, um, that went on during summer 2020, Black Lives Matter, you know, resurgence, um, you know, all the names um, that have been taken down in Richmond, um, the statues on Monument Avenue. And so it's like really like in this sort of moment, that's the choice they decide to make. Um, so we were all just going off about that. And then I think it was Kayla who suggested like, let's call a meeting and figure out like what we want to do about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we had that initial meeting and we decided to, you know, write um, the Protect Our Web um, statement with um, those original three demands. And like the first demand obviously being to take down the names of what started everything, but really it was just in that meeting we were discussing and we decided um, that demands two and three was something we would want as well. And just say what um, those are really quickly. Yeah. And so the first demand um, is to uh, change the names of yep. Ryland Hall and Freeman Hall or Mitchell Freeman Hall, um, because they also announced that day that they were renaming it to Mitchell Freeman Hall after John Mitchell Jr. Along with Douglas Fellow Freeman. So we're moving Robert Ryland's name um, and Douglas Fellow Freeman's names from those buildings. Um, Demands 2 was expanded academic accommodations um, in light of the pandemic. So for this semester, the spring 2021 semester, um, passing a credit, no credit option um, to where students could elect to take one class, not for a regular letter grade, but for that credit or no credit. Um, and then also a commitment um, to in future semesters should breaks be canceled um, to have an equal number um, of wellness days to what we would have had in a standard break because I believe this semester um, I wasn't taking classes but I believe the number of wellness days that were like two or three compared to you know the five days you would have had off for spring break and just every student I've talked to who's been taking classes and like this was terrible this semester was a mess the schedule was horrible those two or three wellness days weren't enough um, so it was our second demand and then our third demand for an off-campus fund um, for black students um, to access mental health resources. Yeah, I think the third one is is just really critical because I, I love that y'all are thinking just about a way for uh, black students to get the mental health support that they need, but for it not to be like reliant on like campus, meaning like there are therapists that exist in Richmond. And so rather than like wait for the university to like figure out how to hire more, et cetera, just give us the agency to go and find our own therapists. And 
keep it within our university accounts and stuff. Because you're kind of already paying exactly. for those services. So then when there's like a waiting list of something like CAPS, I always wonder like, well, you know, those, your student activity fee is like covering CAPS services. But if you can't get into CAPS because there's a waiting list, then like someone owes somebody some money, you know? Right, exactly. And that was sort of like the line of thinking we had um, because they do great work um, mm-hmm. over in CAPS. And like, um, I think some people sort of thought that we might have been like bashing CAPS or like, suggesting that they're not good enough and it's like no they do great work but it's like the fact of the matter is like with you know i think there being more conversations around mental health and people like engaging more i guess and like being able to like check in with themselves and like accurately take stock of their mental health and realize hey maybe they're not doing so well right now and i think just with everything going on especially for like black students um and in the middle of pandemic um and with black lives matter and just everything going on it's like yeah, a lot of us need, or a lot of us could benefit, I think, from accessing those resources. Um, and, you know, the two black therapists over in CATS do a great job, but it's like, I think there's room for there to be more. Yeah, um, and like you were saying, you know, it would be great to CATS expand and to see them, you know, diversify their staff. Because um, I believe they are the only members of color um, on the CATS staff. I could be wrong. To my knowledge. Um, yes. But, yeah, so it's like there, there are definitely different ways. And, you know, there are people who, you know, might be better served by being... Um, providers who are off campus as well um and so that was something that um was suggested and that we really um, felt would be good as well um just because even if you know and i we honestly doubt that it would be like every single student is trying to access some sort of fun but you know even for those few students that it would help it would be beneficial um just to have that option available mm-hmm. um you know even if not necessarily everybody takes advantage of it or if you know people can get their needs met in cap mm-hmm. yeah i understand Switching it up a little bit, tell me about your thoughts on on legacy. I asked all of y'all this question, and I'm just interested in um, hearing everyone's thoughts on um, just legacy, um, what it is that you want to leave behind at U of R, and also what are the things that you're closing the door to um, after you've had this U of R experience, so things that you want to leave behind from the work and from the efforts and the invisible labor that you put in, but then just like also stuff that like you know have been a part of your experience here that you're closing the door to. So for me, it's like, I would say I, as a alum of U of R, I'm closing the door to, um, I don't want to be on not another diversity inclusion committee. <laughs> you know, I don't care how, how well-meaning, how well-meaning the white folks are that run those committees often. I just like, don't want to be tokenized in those ways. Um, I'm really tired of like, you know, that kind of like multiculturalism emphasis with like very slow moving change. Um, and I think sometimes that work can just like be designed in the route to like exhaust the most marginalized people in those committees. Um, especially when it's like certain people have voting power and certain people don't like, I just think that sometimes that kind of work can just um, set us up for just like a lot of exhaustion that right now in my life, I just like don't have the capacity to take on. So I want to close the door. For me, I guess my biggest goal um, in or, terms legacy. of legacy. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, I guess just to like, has helped build a foundation um, that, you know, students coming after me can build off of. Like, I don't really care if people remember my name or they don't. Like, that's fine. But, like, hopefully, you know, I'm leaving behind an Africana Studies program Mm -hmm. um, that will help people um, 
you know, engage black scholarship and really have those critical conversations and feel like they're learning something that's relevant to their lives um, and are part of an academic program that actually equips them, um, you know, think differently about the world um, and be prepared to make those changes um, in the world that need to be made. Um, you know, I hope I leave behind, um, you know, spaces where students of color didn't feel um, like they're themselves as part of the multicultural space, um, sort of executive council advisory board sort of change names. Um, but I was part of that as well. And that effort is going, we'll see where it lands. Um, you know, that being more of like an institutional, I guess, um, effort. But, you know, hopefully it does, you know, result in students color finally having a space, hopefully a standalone building where they can just be themselves. Because I think that was another thing that was really apparent just my freshman year. It's like there are no spaces that are just like yeah. for people of color or black students or whatever. Um, so, you know, hopefully that space does come to fruition. Yep. Um, and it is just a space where like students on campus can like really just feel like they can like take a breather and like have somewhere that's like meant for them. Cause I think so often just on campus, it's like these spaces aren't meant for us, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so apparent. I think walking around anytime that you're like not in your dorm room, um, and, and, or anything. And design, design is important. I think, you know, sometimes we overlook that conversation, but like aesthetics, design, uh, the built environment, like all of those things are very important that I think all of y'all have called out in different ways of like how there is a, a communication and a, and a marketing structure structure and a social media structure of like this, you know, perfect environment where everybody feels welcome. But also like if all the buildings, you know, don't um, have some kind of this like free reign access for students of color, black students in particular to be able to like, you know, have a black student union where like you have control over that space um, or have like a quote unquote eclectic coffee shop where like it's designed and there's art, you know, that is student led. Like U of R has a very, I, I agree with you that there's a very curated uh, environment. And with that curated environment, I think it can make some, some folks feel like, Oh, right at home. And some folks feel like, why is it like so suffocating, you know? So I think we all have called that out in, in various ways. And there's so much potential to change the built environment as a way of making people feel more, more welcomed and more, you know, embraced on the campus. Definitely, definitely. What is something that you're like leaving behind though? Like, tell me like a little story that kind of summarizes your, your experience here. Is there a moment that you can uh, remember where you were like, okay, this summarizes uh, U of R <laughs> or my experience at U of R. I don't know if there's necessarily like a specific moment, but I'd just say like one of the trends I think is every time I find like a staff, uh, a staff or faculty member that I really like connect with and like, I feel like is doing like really great work. They leave first. It started with the race and racism project. Oh, um, and that actually is yeah. something that I think really set the tone for the rest of my experience was how that's a great um, example. Like you're right. Uh, black professors in particular, like the retention rate at schools like this um, is often low. I mean, there's not many of us in general, but just like, you know, what you're experiencing as a student, it does not change um, just because you have a, you know, doctor in front of your name or anything like that, because the way that the system is set up is like, you know, the tenure process, the, the people who are evaluating us, like, it really does create this environment where I believe that like, you kind of have to, even if you're doing great work at a university, you have to like leave in order to um, be wanted by that university, which is just a part of white supremacy that um, continues to permeate as a blind spot. We're like, oh no, we want to hire you, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely, yeah. Like, I think um, just going back to the race and racism project, like that was something like I felt like I worked on that the summer after my freshman year, 
um, that was really formative for me as well. Um, I think learning more about like our institutional history, I think really influenced the work I did, like going forward with, you know, Africana studies on um, the black student coalition, just like coming to understand like the history of the school and like how long, you know, students have been repeating like the same thing. But yeah, anyway, so Irina Rogova led that project. Yeah. Um, and she did a phenomenal job. And then it was sort of like at the end of the summer, they were like, um, we, you know, the pilot phase for the race and racism project is over. We're going to restructure it and focus it on, you know, institutional history courses and things like that. But it was a decision that was just like very top down. Um, and they ended up cutting her position with pretty much no warning. There wasn't really any input um, from, you know, the people working on the project. Um, and so, you know, I think like that left the project um, in, you know, a weaker spot. But I think also just like losing Irina, like she's just such a great person to have on campus. Um, yeah, she's a, she's was a friend really... of mine. And I, I, I know the work of that project and I know that it was um, very instrumental to so many students and faculty at U of R. And it was a really, you know, I think it was a different way that U of R had connected with community. It, it centered, um, centered truth telling in a way, you know? Like now, um, you know, the project is still continuing, but like I haven't heard as much from it. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't tell you like what's going on with the race and racism project. Whereas like when she was there, like she did a very good job of like making sure, you know, it was at the forefront of these campus conversations and it's sort of like receded to the background now. So it's like not only the work she did, but just like having her on campus. Um, it was just nice to have somebody that was like young, you know, fresh, um, and, you know, had like a vision and really was centered on truth telling because so many of our faculty just aren't, you know, they, they come and they do their little academic job and that's like, that's fine. There's so few faculty, I think that like had that passion, um, for, you know, I guess using knowledge and using, you know, academia, like as a tool mm-hmm. to make the world better. I'm um, really being intentional on in how they engage in that way. And so just losing her, um, was really frustrating. I think to like lose, you know, one of the few faculty and staff members that like actually like was making, um, those efforts to, you know, make, um, our academic experiences at the University of Richmond, like ones that are meaningful. And that really helped enrich your college experience because of the way that it was rooted in anti-racism knowledge production and also truth telling. And I would say community building as well. Um, I think Irina and, and you and the folks that worked on, um, the media aspect of that project, like you know, really reached out to community and it was rooted in like, we want to hear your raw, authentic story about your experiences um, on this campus and your experiences in Richmond. What are other ways that you've like found a sense of belonging here? Um, Specific experiences off campus um, that kind of connect to building community um, in Richmond for you? And it can be in Richmond or, you know, Richmond the city or University of Richmond? I think that's one of my regrets so far, just not been, um, not having been as engaged, like, as I could be with the city of Richmond, just because I think, um, you know, we call it, like, the UR bubble, but, like, it really is so real, I think. I hear Um, that. I hear this a lot. I was just talking to TJ, um, and I hear, I mean, I heard this when I was an undergrad. I ended up, like, kind of getting involved in Richmond, the city, towards the end of my college experience and, like, really fell in love with just the vibe that Richmond is. And um, I still hear just so many of our students that just like don't get that opportunity to connect with Richmond. And I always wonder, like, why is that still a thing? You know, the, the U of R bubble, I get it. But like, it's it's just such a strong, it must be such a strong force that just like keeps us here <laughs> that we don't get to really experience the city. I think, yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of it, I think, has to do with like, um, I guess just like connecting like with people older than you, like it's sort of like passed down because it's like 
nobody like you know when you come on the campus like you're a freshman you don't know what's going on you don't know about the city of richmond you don't know about you are campus and so it's like you know you sort of meet upper class and things like that but it's like everybody i guess has just like inherited i guess like the ur bubble it's sort of passed down it that way especially with like the school i think not necessarily um you know promoting engagement with the city of richmond other than oh you know here you can do a little um community so, service project yeah. like um or go do some mentoring or something like that or you know like there's like an event downtown that will you know run a few people too but like i guess like those i think are the main like ways of engagement like it's very much like institutional um and not necessarily like organic in any sort of way and like you know i i think for me like you know the upper class and i've been things like that you know it's like you'll go off campus to like a restaurant or you know a club or something like that and that's it really um and so i think there's just like not like those connections definitely like for me it's just been on campus because i've never really known like where to go or like where the cool spots in richmond are like how do you know meet um you know maybe like vcu students vcu students you know other students in the area or things like that um because i don't think there are like a ton of of networks that you are students are plugged into so for me my spaces of belonging have really been on campus i'm an oliver hill scholar and so i think that's the one thing um, that's been really instrumental for me, um, just having that, I guess, sort of cohort. Um, a lot of my best friends are also Oliver Hill scholars, um, which is really nice. Like that sort of, I think coming in as a freshman, like gave me an opportunity to like make friends, um, and to have a space, um, where, you know, I could, I could engage, um, with other students, um, who are interested in the same things as me, like social justice. It sounds like you benefit from having like a cohort experience. And I, I hear that a lot, uh, with students at U of R, especially students who are coming from what they like to call non-traditional backgrounds. I think that having that kind of cohort that can be with you for the whole four years becomes really important because as y'all are showing like the Black Student Coalition, y'all have kind of like created um, through this like cohort connection of having somewhat of a shared Black experience at U of R. um, You've been able to like build something that now the institution like, you know, is going to be learning from, you know? Right. Having that cohort that stays with you in the way that the Oliver Hill scholars um, do, because you all are connected for the whole four years, um, I think that can help kind of combat some of the uh, spaces where you don't feel like you belong in. Definitely. So what attracted you to uh, this school? Um, And then what did you see like once you're here, which we've kind of already covered, but I'm just interested in, especially because you're in this year off right now, right? So just kind of the reflections that you've had in terms of like, what got you to U of R, um, what's keeping you here, what's making, what's encouraging you to come back and finish out here, what's not like, I guess I just want to hear a little bit more about that. For me, um, it comes down to one thing money um that was how i that was how i was sort of drawn to the school and that's the thing that keeps me here it's the only reason i haven't transferred um you know it's funny i was which is unfortunate right like four years is a long time and then to say like you know the reason why i'm here is because of the the money it's just i think it's just such a missed opportunity um at u of r and other other institutions that are of course struggling with just being anti-racist right now um it's a missed opportunity to not get to know your students. It's a missed opportunity to not get to know your black students and not get to know like how to sustain students from the various backgrounds that you put so much effort and resource into 
getting here, um, how to keep us here. It's the same issue right. with black faculty as well. Yeah, very much is. I think just a cosmetic thing. They're like, oh, look, we've got, you know, we've got increasing numbers um, of, you know, people from minority backgrounds. Like, look at us. We're so great. Um, and it's very much just that surface level thing. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, I think from my experiences talking to other black students, I would say the vast majority of us are here for the same reason, money. Um, that's how we got here. And that's why we stay. Um, for me, it's funny. I'm from Virginia, but I don't think I had really heard of the University of Richmond until I was at a college fair my junior year. And the only reason I went up to the table was because they were advertising um, what I would come to know as the Richmond Guarantee. They were they had a sign yeah, that was yeah. like $4,000 for every undergraduate student. And I was like, go to that table right <sighs> now because scholarships. Um, and so that's why I went over. I talked to them a little bit. I was like, oh, this is nice. Um, you know, I was like, it's in um, a city, technically near a city. Um, which is something like I thought that I wanted for a college experience. And I was thinking, you know, a liberal arts school would be nice just to have like more of those discussion based courses, those small courses. Um, and, you know, have that opportunity, I guess, to engage in that way. Mm -hmm. So it sort of just checked off those boxes. Um, I wasn't super passionate about the University of Richmond or anything. It wasn't like it was my top choice or anything coming here, but I was like, oh, check some boxes on my list. They have, you know, what I've heard are some good scholarship programs um, and some good other opportunities for funding, like the Richmond Guarantee once I'm here. So I was like, might as well apply. Yeah, and then when you think about your reflections about belonging at U of R and not belonging and the work that y'all have had to do as students, right, to get the university to just do better, right, to do better for everyone, because when black students are good, I think we're all good. So when you put all that into consideration, how does this impact um, just where you are right now with your um, ideas about legacy and leaving uh, U of R? All the experiences that you've had thus far, um, take me like five years from now and how would how would you you know think back about U of R would you write that check would you be like uh-uh not like I want to hear more about how has all this impacted your ideas about being an alum what I anticipate I guess in the future like as an alum is you know being I guess hopefully you know available to black students um other minority students um people of color LGBT LGBT students you know being accessible maybe to them and not necessarily to the university as a whole um, because, you know, I can think like the connections, um, some of the connections I've had with alumni, for example, like through race and racism project, doing those oral history interviews, um, yeah. you know, seeing maybe a panel of like alumni, um, through BSA, like those things have all been really nice. Um, but I, I, in terms of, you know, being involved, I don't know, maybe some sort of school committee that wants alumni or something, or, um, even homecoming or something, I'm like, I don't really know, like how <laughs> involved I'll be in those ways, you know, hopefully you know, still maintaining some connection, I think, to the students, especially because, I mean, that's, I guess, like, where I would sort of want to be impactful and make a difference is, like, with those students um, who are going to come after me and might be in similar situations as me. Like, I'd love to help make their experiences better. You know, in terms of giving money, we'll see. Um, <laughs> we'll I probably see. will, to be honest, just because I you said did you work as a student caller. You said you will, or what? I didn't hear you. Probably will. Uh -huh. A little bit. At least a little bit. Just because I know. <laughs> I, I worked as a student caller um, in Sonatana. I know just how hard that job can be and how disrespectful <laughs> people can be on the phone sometimes. So it's like, if they call me, I'll probably, you know, give them a little bit. But, like, am I going to go out of my way to, like, prioritize the University of Richmond 
um, in terms of like giving or just like other ways as well. Like, no, probably not. Um, but you know, if, if I'm called on, you know, we'll see. It sounds like yeah, all, <laughs> all your, all of your efforts as an alum is going to be to su- continue to support the students, which I, I hear that. Um, thinking about reparations, but all the work that y'all have done, um, well, we're talking to you right now, but all the work that Shira has done at University of Richmond um, to make University of Richmond a better place. And especially in this moment of um, making sure that the Black Student Coalition, that y'all demands are heard and that the university is learning and listening from you. What do you feel like is owed um, to students because of your investment and also some of the, the uncompensated labor, the invisible labor that y'all have committed to as being organizers on this campus? What do you think is owed to you? And, and I say this question makes me think about reparations because I want to know, especially as some of y'all are graduating, like what can the institution do um, and, and give like right now that would make all of the effort that you put in that has kind of interrupted your student experience, in my opinion. Um, and I'm not sure if you feel like that, but if you do, like, then what, what can they actually do to really like make up for that, for the ways that, as all of y'all have said throughout your interviews, like you just didn't get to be students and that's what you signed up to be because of the ways that this, the campus needed you to show up and organize the best thing would just be to like meet the student demands, like meet the demands of the black student coalition. Like that is what they could do right now. Right now. Um, yeah. meet those six demands. And they're just, they're so like low level. All of them. I really do feel like I've that. heard all of y'all say um, that of like, these are things that it's not just like we're asking. It's like, these are things that you need to do because they're the right thing to do, which is how like I articulate the, the low level part. It's like do them because it's the right thing to do. Be on the right side. Right. Right. It's the right thing to do. It's really the bare minimum, I think in yeah. supporting students. So, I think like the best um, way for, you know, reparations are to, you know, um, adequately, you know, acknowledge our labor and respect that um, is just to meet those demands and, you know, in the future, be responsive to what students want. You know, I think we as students and especially as black students, like know what's best for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, if we, you know, come together, we do come up with solutions um, for our problems that are actually going to benefit us. So really, I think just investing the resources in letting students, I guess, exercise their own um, self-determination um, to make their experiences, like, as black students, like, what they want them to be. Because, like, I think we definitely know how to do that. Um, and, you know, we're taking steps towards that right now, for example, like, Africana Studies, um, again, is something black students came up with because we're like, this will benefit us, and we know that. And it's not necessarily something that came from faculty or administration or anything like that. They'll spend all this time, you know, doing some sort of task force or commission or committee or whatever. For example, like with the names, they're going to do a commission to come up with a process to rename buildings. That's fine. But you can start by taking these names down right now. Like we made it very clear. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of the campus community does not want to see these names up. So it's like you have the opportunity to just listen um, and make that decision. It is not hard. Um, So I think just really actually listening to students' demands and meeting them. It sounds like you're also saying like meeting them with a more accelerated time frame so that we don't continue this legacy of students like y'all doing all this work and then not really getting to benefit from it because it doesn't, none of the change will happen until you're gone. Like we all know, you know, whether I'm being biased or not, like even though I work here, we know that higher ed is like such a slow moving train or ship or whatever you want to call it when it comes to you know, really valuing um, folks that are um, coming 
from different traditions of like thinking about education in these ways that's not just like rigid elite space it's just it's so slow but it's so fast to bring us here it's so fast to you know praise their diversity but then like so slow to actually value the diversity that's already here and i feel like whenever we talk about the richmond bubble and those kinds of things that you know we have of of articulating how um exclusive this place can be um sometimes it just it just proves that the environment just needs to be shifted and needs to open up and those things are going to happen but are there ways for us to collaborate as communities to like make them happen faster so that people that are working on them can actually benefit from it the work that you're doing like how do you stay motivated talked about like alumni and like being really inspired by like the panels of like black and poc alumni and those things have been helpful to your experience and working on the race and racism project what other kind of like uh lineages or genealogies um do you think that you're drawing on from the ways that you've been involved at u of r and like who specifically maybe keeps you um motivated when you feel like these things i'm working on are may not happen by the time i graduate that's a good question. I feel like it's not something that's necessarily at the forefront of my mind, but I think obviously, like, I think what really inspired me, like, first of all, was taking that towards, like, biographical tradition, just, like, coming to understand, like, that genealogy mm-hmm. um, of, you know, thinkers and activists and just how many, like, Black people have gone before me and have done, Listed you know, demands, amazing work. Yeah, and have demanded change, right. yeah. Have demanded change and have seen that change through and have really pushed that through in, you know, the academy, but also, like, outside of it. Um you know, thinking back, for example, like, especially the Axon of Studies, um, just, like, us sort of looking at proposals, you know, from, like, the late 60s, early 70s, those first proposals um, for Africana Studies programs um, or Black Studies programs and just seeing, like, that it has been done mm-hmm. um, by other students um, who are like me, you know, in some ways. Um, so I think just really for me, just, like, knowing, like, that this work has been done before, I can do it now and it will be done after me, too, is just really, like, the biggest thing that keeps me going i guess just knowing that like i'm not alone i guess in this work even though like at the university of richmond i think it can feel like that sometimes but like just knowing that like this work has always been done like this is what we as black people have always done like will continue to do how has this work um kind of shifted your thoughts about um approaching and like disseminating and archiving uh knowledge so like this podcast for example is a way that we are archiving knowledge people that are listening will learn directly from you a student organizer that you know has been shaking things up on this campus for all the right reasons and i think podcast is a way to make the work that you're doing like more accessible it's to circulate the work like from your direct voice right um of course it will be some editing but like none too big you know i can't do the fancy stuff so i'm interested in just like has this moment you know changed your approach to um, to knowledge and, and archiving it and making sure I, I like the word archiving in this context because I think it's just important to learn from y'all like right now versus like, you know, if things stay the way that they are on these college campuses, we know that in five years there will be students who will list very similar demands and have to start from square one. If your work and projects like the Race and Racism Project are not properly archived. And I think that's a part of like the system of white supremacy is like, to not archive and not document and not memorialize um, or as TJ was saying, like just as much as we put names of buildings of people who gave $10 million, like why are we not um, 
making sure that activists and student organizers are remembered in those same ways. The students who give a lot of time and labor because that's also a form of currency is, is what I think he was saying. Um, and I really vibe with that, that frame of thinking um, because I do think that it's intentional sometimes to not archive and not remember the work that y'all are doing because then when y'all are gone, maybe it doesn't have to actually lead to anything, you know? So I wanted to hear your thoughts on that as we wrap up. That's definitely important, like, especially like the way you're talking about this, like legacy, um, and you know, what we're going to leave behind um, for others. So like archiving, of course, like plays a big role in that. So Kayla and I talked about maybe possibly doing some sort of oral history about Africana studies um, and having that available as well. But just doing, I think like, like you were saying, just finding ways to archive our own work ourselves, um, just because obviously like the institution isn't going to do it for us. I mean, even if they were going to do it for us, would I trust that? No. Um, but I think just us like really taking that initiative and, you know, using our agency in that way to, you know, make sure we find ways, um, you know, save our documents, you know, save, um, I guess our stories and things like that. And, and um, share, really, like, share them with community, not, not just you of our like network folks. That's definitely just something that's so important, um, for us, like as black folks, yeah. um, especially in a space like this predominantly white spaces, you know, really take our own agency and say, okay, like we're going to do this for ourselves and we're going to create um, these archives and um, collect these knowledges and these stories uh, and make them accessible to our communities. And so as we wrap up, um, I just want to say that, you know, I thank you for the work that you're doing. Uh, It's very refreshing to have students like you that remind us that in higher education, for whatever reasons that you come into this business, the reason why you should be here is to learn from you know, the imaginations of students and learn from the critical work that I think we're all doing, but to have that exchange of knowledge, not just be like, I'm the faculty and you're the student and I'm the president and you're the faculty and this is how things are going to go, but making sure that it's actually running like a collaborative community. I think that's like just, you know, the crux of my type of activism. Um, and I hear it, you know, mirrored in a lot of the work that y'all are doing, that you're, you're building coalition, building community, and definitely like making sure that these institutions um, don't just have like this top-down approach because that doesn't work for the greatest amount of people. Um, so I, you know, I commend y'all for taking time from being students, you know, and being organizers, teachers, um, leaders, etc. So with that, um, tell me a little bit about just like what you're doing over the summer. What's next for you, and you know, how can people um, follow Cheers Journey? That's a great question. Um, I wish <laughs> you I knew don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to answer. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still sort of trying to get something lined up for the summer, but um, you know, I think coming back in the fall, um, you know, hopefully continuing the work with the Black Student Coalition, hopefully over the summer, some as well too. But I think it'll just definitely pick up back again in the fall, like once everybody's on campus together. I'll be back on campus um, and, 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 for the first time since. And if all your dreams are are pushed to the center right now, like you come back in the fall, move into your dorm or apartment or wherever. Um, What's, 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 what's this campus giving in the fall? Like what, what, what's going to be here? Demands are I met. Think, like there's a beautiful yeah, Africana I, studies building. Like <laughs> just dream with me for a second. That I think like having those demands that would be just great. Especially since like I was saying, like they're so like low level and like everything we've demanded can be done like pretty much immediately or very quickly, or at least like have that commitment made. The fifth demand we made for an endowed chair for Africana studies, that would be great, you know, pull in somebody from off campus who is equipped to leave. Cause like I was saying, uh, not equipped to leave, equipped to lead. And, um, and stay. Somebody, yeah. yeah. Who's equipped 
exactly to lead this program and to stay here for a while because um, we have now lost both of our proposed chairs oh, I know. for the program. First, you lost was, some good, yeah, town, yeah, you lost yeah. Good, good people. Yeah, Dr. Walker and then Dr. Towns. Um, then Dr. Hussein as well was going to be, you know, um, sort of a critical faculty member in Africana Studies. I mean, that's a question to explore in another episode, but, you know, you're hitting a really good point of, like, why do some of the faculty that I would say these institutions would consider, like, radical or, um, you know what I mean, all those terms, um, why, why do they often not, not stay? You know, that's definitely a question to ask the higher-ups. Exactly. Yeah. Um, definitely a lot to be said about that, but just hopefully, I mean, that would be great, I guess, to just have somebody new coming in um, on campus who's really going to, you know, be like, I guess, a radical voice, like on our campus. Um, I think someone who's going to, you know, come in um, and stay for a while and really shape the Africana Studies program into, you know, the vision that we laid out um, in our original student proposal and then the faculty proposal for the program as well. Um, somebody who's really invested in that vision um, and has, you know, the knowledge and the insight um, and the skills to really like carry that vision through because right now, like as it stands on campus, we don't have any faculty members who are prepared um, who are willing and able, I guess, like with um, their own like academic research interests um, and just like their own sort of thrust, I guess, um, mm -hmm. of their academic career to really like take this program and make it like what we had envisioned it being. So I think like, that would be a huge thing for me. Um, I think, you know, in the fall, supposedly there's more um, spacing allocated to the multicultural space um, in Whitehurst. So we'll see what that looks like. I haven't had much of an update on that. So we'll see like what that looks like. But also, you know, having that commitment to finally getting that standalone building that, you know, has those elements that we've been discussing um, for so long. Like I remember in my freshman year, we were having brainstorming sessions about what the multicultural space, um, what that multicultural house really could look like. Um, in terms of like kitchens or like a library or just like study spaces, lounges, things like that. And just, you know, having that thriving space. So, you know, having, I guess, more movement towards that as well would be something I'm really looking forward to on campus um, in a perfect world. Like, you know, whatever space is being allocated in the fall would have, you know, maybe a kitchen or just more spaces for, you know, students to really come together and congregate. I mean, it's important, important, important to, you know, always center your dreams because they are worthy of coming true. They will come true. They need to come true. And you should demand them to come true, <laughs> which you're doing. So um, with that, I, you know, I commend you. I'm, I'm happy to have met you virtually. And um, thanks for coming on to this special, you know, U of R segment of Black Matter, where we're just kind of spilling a little bit of tea to you know just hear um who some of the black students are on campus that are um making headlines right now right as we as, as i say um how can people stay connected uh with you so following um right now i guess the black Student coalition has been our big yep. sort of push so following protect our web um on instagram and facebook as well um if you haven't already um staying up to date with our website protectourweb.com um, and yeah, hopefully I'll be making some more appearances through that. Good. Thank you so much, Shira. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and, um, have a good summer, get some rest, chill, um, have some joy. And, um, I do hope that all those dreams that you listed in demands come to reality when you return in the fall. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>